Hey parents, let's face it. No one wants to think about or plan for the future. It can feel overwhelming and scary. Plus, there are so many other pressing responsibilities consuming our time. But when we do put in the time and effort to plan, we feel more at peace knowing that we're prepared for whatever life throws our way. Enable Special Needs Planning offers a unique approach to planning that focuses on enabling your child to live a happy and fulfilled life today and every day in the future. Let their team show you how creating a plan for your entire family's success can provide you with the peace of mind you've been seeking. For our listeners, Enable is offering a 10% discount off their planning services. Just mention the Lucky Few podcast when you reach out to them. Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear, stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, I know you know about style and your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Okay, listen, it's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids, and these are the cutest glasses I've seen. Yes, and have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and I feel like your kids get to play dress up. We have Jonas Paul glasses, and this past year, Brooksy, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. Brooksy loves looking good. He actually legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. Having a kid at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames and he had a week to walk around in them and make his own opinion. And it was really nice to not have that quick, we have 10 minutes in a store and there's fluorescent lights and we need to decide feeling. When he picked his frame, we put our order in online and we shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. So you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and you know what? So does Heather. Yeah, that's right. Mason has them. She's worn Jonas Paul glasses for a couple of years now. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. There's a flatter nose bridge that our kids have and lower set ears and that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Here's the thing about Jonas Paul. Their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. They also have these unique adjustable tips that you can bend for a custom fit. So you can make it fit to your child's perfect little face. These glasses are so affordable. Half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. Plus, here's the best part. Every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. It's so great. You know that Jonas Paul now sells glasses for teenagers and our kids are growing up. They're growing up fast and we are going to need those teenager sizes before we know it. For first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. Visit their website, jonaspauleyewear.com to learn more.
Hey friends, Heather here, and we have an exciting opportunity for you to join us as we continue this podcast and continue shifting the Down Syndrome narrative. We have started a Patreon page, and this is a way for our listeners to support us financially every month so that we can keep the podcast going. We have three different tiers between $10 and $100, so wherever you feel you can give monthly to help us support the podcast and to continue to shout the worth people with Down Syndrome as we shift the Down Syndrome narrative, you can head over to the Lucky Few podcast.com sign up for our patreon page and start giving today thank you so much hey friends welcome to the lucky few podcast where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with down syndrome this is heather mercedes and micah and friends we have a special guest today we are going to be chatting with one of our favorite people ever who happens to be Micah Boyette. <laughs> Micah Boyette. That's right. Micah Boyette. That's... She's a guest and she's also always here. And speaking <laughs> in third person. <laughs> um, so she's actually, today we're going to be talking about Ace. Micah's going to be sharing about her son Ace's recent autism diagnosis. And we're going to be talking dual diagnosis. We can't wait to hear all of her insights and hear her story. Um, so thank you for joining us friends and welcome to the lucky few podcast. Hi ladies. Hi. Hi, Micah. Hi, Hi Mercedes. Hi. Here we are today, just the three of us. And brave. And brave, and always. Brave. Always nursing. Oh. <laughs> and always nursing and always awake. Always awake. The always most nursing. alert baby I've ever seen. <laughs> I know. He's so cute. This guy doesn't want to miss a beat. He's so cute. And I feel like I'm going to say this and then we're going to have to follow through. But I think part, if you're going to join Patreon, which we're now fully in swing with, in the full swing yeah. of, I should say. Yeah. Um, you're going to get some inside scoop by getting to watch some episodes, which means you get to see Brave. <laughs> right? Brave nursing. See brave nursing. Brave nursing. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm, this might change yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> it may all be blurred. <laughs> no. We're going to give, you're going to get to see Brave's okay. cute face sometimes. Normalize breastfeeding people. That's right. <laughs> That's what That's I'm here right. for. This is a now a t- no censors around here. You're right. I take it all back. We're gonna start another podcast called Normalized Breastfeeding. I think it exists. And we shout out to the Normalized Fine. Breastfeeding podcast. Oh dear. Okay, but we are excited for this conversation, and we've been talking about the timing of it and when we're gonna have it because we've known about as Micah's dear friends and, and co-workers, we've known about this diagnosis <laughs> right after you got it. Um, and so, or even, yeah, that's true. And we on the podcast haven't done a lot of conversations about a dual diagnosis, but also recognize that it is a big piece of our, of the Down syndrome community and should be um, a conversation on the forefront for all of us in the Down syndrome community. We did have an episode with our dear friend, Tesney Davis, so it was season three, episode six. Um, if you just started listening or maybe you need a reminder, we used to do seasons where we just did 10 episodes in at a time and took a break. And now we are weekly episodes. So it's not the sixth episode ever. Season three, episode six. That's how it's titled with Tesney Davis. And you should definitely go back and take a listen to that. Tesney is a freaking rock star human being. So it was a good episode. Um, but before we start, Micah, I just want to say thank you. Thanks for 
being willing and ready to share your story with our listeners. Well, you are very welcome. And <laughs> I love just, I love authenticity and I think the world needs more of it. And I think in our community, we need everybody's story um, because that's how we feel less alone and that's how we support each other. Mm-hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. So thanks for asking me to do it. <laughs> okay, Micah. So um, will you tell us how you got the autism diagnosis? Um, was it something? Yeah. How did that come to be? Yeah. Well, really, the story starts with um, when Ace was around three, when it seemed like, you know, up to that point, everyone would say, you know, language is going to start happening soon. Like verbalization is going to start happening. And and I think that generally in the Down syndrome community, that's when we start looking for our kids to start talking. And that that didn't happen with ACE. And there was a lot of steps along the way um, where at first we were like, oh, he's not talking because his he has fluid in his ears. So like, you know, let's wait four months or whatever and finally get the tubes in his ears. And then we're going to see a change. And so there were a lot of things like that where we would um, we would kind of, I guess, be I, I just I would say it's this thing right here. And so we're going to overcome this this hurdle and then we're going to see language. Um, and and so as those things didn't happen and language didn't progress at this point last year in the spring, I started um, just doing more research. He was uh, he was almost four. Um, he turned four in April last year. And I I had heard, I'd read like, okay, if there's not language at this point, then probably there's, there's either autism going on or um, speech praxia. Um, and and as it turns out, Ace has both, but I, I didn't know that at that point. So um, I was like, well, it's got to be speech apraxia mm-hmm. because he was showing signs of um, like he would try to say some a sound mm-hmm. and it would come out differently. And that's kind of what speech apraxia is. You think you're saying a duh and instead what's coming out is a ba, And that's just like a, a, a little disconnect in the in the. Um, the wiring between the brain and, and the voice. And and so I pursued that for a while until the summer, um, last summer, when I just started to notice things in ACEs, um, just the way he engaged with the world that I hadn't noticed before. And I don't know if I just hadn't had eyes to see it because he's my guy and I'm with him all the time. Um, but he and maybe because we were in a warm place and there were a lot of fans but he really liked watching spinning things Mm -hmm. and so i was like oh ace loves staring at these fans or ace loves these spinning toys and um and he had started doing uh repetitive uh repetitive actions like running in circles and he would like have a toy he loved and run in circles around it, staring at it, and laugh and laugh. And, you know, I thought it was amazing because I think he's amazing. 
And um, so it, it started to, to go, I think this is different than what I'm seeing in other kids with Down syndrome. And I think it's more than just the speech that is different. Um, and so I had that. I had that on my mind mm. when we went to our appointment with, we go every year to um, a, a Down syndrome clinic, a, a specialist at UCSF, um, who I love, shout out to Dr. Noemi Spinazzi. And we, I would love to have her on this show. Sometime. Make that happen. She's Let's amazing. do that. Too. She's got her lucky few <clears throat> tattoo. Yes. Um, and so the first time we met each other, we had a big high five. Um, and she, I sat down in his appointment and she watched him for a while. And I was like, I, you know, I'm concerned about his, his speech. And she was like, yeah. And so she turned to me at some point and mm. she was like, have you thought about autism? And I was like, yes, but I was hoping that you weren't going to say that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was the, I think, um, I think for me, and, and I think for most parents, when you are thinking about adding another diagnosis, um, especially when it comes to Down syndrome, like there's so many things that are similar to autism. The mm-hmm. sensory needs right. are, are there for everybody. Um, and and because with autism, a lot of times you think of people with autism as not being um, like as th- their challenge being engaging with the world around them. Mm-hmm. Right. And because Ace had always been so warm towards the world mm-hmm. um, because he had always like loved and cuddled and snuggled and, you know, found people that he wanted to stare in their eyes. <laughs> I I was like, no, it's not autism. Um, and as soon as our doctor said that to me, I it was like, you know, when you kind of look back and there's a, um, you see like the movie of the past, <laughs> yes. you know? Yeah. Playback. And, yes. Like and, fast speed, like from beginning right. to present. Right. Mm-hmm. In all of those moments of engagement, I saw all the moments of not engagement Mm. too. And I was like, yes, because Ace has Down syndrome. He still absolutely has the, um, the, the little antenna on the top of his head that makes him know like all the emotions of the world around him, you know, like being in tune emotionally with others. He's so tuned in. He's so tuned in in that way. And so I think it's easy to miss, or it was easy for me to miss the ways that he was not turning his head when people said his name, when the ways he was, you know, not, um, not stopping playing with something and unless he was somehow pulled out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, as soon as I had that conversation, I, I knew, and mm-hmm. I went home from that, um, from that appointment, you know, we had to wait a couple of months before we had his actual assessment. Um, but it was clear to me, like, this is, this is what is, is going to happen. And this is what our future, um, how our future is going to be affected. Like, this is real. Hmm. Um, 
so how tell me how long ago tell our listeners how long ago that was that was uh the appointment um was in august with um our down syndrome specialist and then it was mid-september i guess okay. when he got his actual diagnosis yeah. so august 2019 september yes. 2019 and now right now as we're recording this it's march well almost march february almost 2020 march. yeah so it's, yeah. I mean, in that sense, it is still, it is still fresh and, you know, we can hear you feeling the emotions of that. And as you yeah. revisit it, um, what was it like receiving an autism diagnosis compared to receiving a down syndrome diagnosis or did it um, bring things up for you? Yes. Yeah. I think I, well, you know, I, I I've talked on here several times about how my Down syndrome diagnosis was in utero and Down syndrome was something that I knew and had um, a connection to people with Down syndrome. And so it was very difficult in some ways just because it was a it was heading in a different direction than what I had imagined and than my expectations. Um, but in other ways, I was like, Oh yeah, I can get on this train. Like the Down syndrome train yeah. is, I know it, and I love people with Down syndrome, and it's going to be hard, and um, we're going to figure it out. And I think the autism piece has been different for me um, because it has kind of rearranged my understanding of ACE and. Um, and because autism is actually less known to me, even though I have had people in my life with autism, I have not been close to people with autism. And Brave, Sorry. Brave is just adding a little empathy. He feels a little love. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me has just been adjusting. Um, my sense of ACEs development. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that I had to kind of get my, um, my head around be, not, not that ACE having autism changed him because he's the same person and the, um, the same like level of engagement with the world was there before. Um, but I think I understand a lot more about him now. And that can be, that has been emotional. Because I think I've had to kind of make peace with um, knowing that speech is just going to be a long road for us. Mm -hmm. um, that, that learning is going to be a longer road for us yeah. than what I thought. Um, that the things, I, I can get emotional um when oh, <laughs> you're doing when great, i'm around friends. when when i'm around other kids his age with down syndrome yeah because i think it got my um you know i think we all readjust our dial yes. you know we say my kid has this thing and so this is going to be a challenge and so these are my expectations now you know like it's just going to look a little different and um, so I think that my expectations were, okay, by the time he's five, this is what we're going to be doing. Yeah. 
and and that's a grief like mm-hmm. you have to walk through that and you have to say um yeah his his life is not going to look exactly like every other kid with down syndrome mm-hmm. and um and i want him to be himself mm-hmm. and and so we you know some of that you've got to let this the the things that you're grieving and the expectations that you're grieving fall to the side. And then you also have to continue to be his, his hope bearer, mm. you know, the, the person who believes the most in him. Yeah. And that's a really hard balance to walk, um, to like press on into the world for him and say, um, this is what he's going to do. And this is, this is how we're going to, walk this path and also I'm still going to hold this with open hands oh man thanks for being so vulnerable sweetie thank you for sharing we've talked about grief before and it made me think of this um because like Mercedes and I, when we talk about our we've adopted our kids with down syndrome so our down syndrome diagnosis story there's a different there wasn't that sense of devastation and grief that a lot of women that's a lot of women's starting point and but what made me think of this is you talking about like seeing the kids with down syndrome, the grief comes mm-hmm. in waves. And I know, um, it's just that, that piece of, yeah, you think your kid is going to be one thing and then you put them compared to others like them. And they're so far off from that thing. And you, and you think like, for me, I remember thinking with Mason, by the time she is however old, surely she will be doing fill in the blank. And then we're there at that age and it's not happening, but her peers with Down syndrome, it's happening. And then, uh, then we revisit it, right? Like we revisit the grief. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like those missed expectations. Mm-hmm. And right. I think part of the diagnosis of Down syndrome, and then it sounds like, you know, you add the autism diagnosis to it is we're going to be revisiting that always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do we do that well? And, um, and in a way that we can be healthy and whole in it. And I think I don't have the answer to that, but I think sharing, sharing our stories, you know, like finding that yeah. me too. And you coming on here and saying, this is how I'm feeling. I'm just keep thinking about the, all the moms listening. And I just, mm-hmm. it makes me feel grateful for you sharing and grateful for this platform and also heavy, you know, so heavy. I feel like too, with having a child who has a diagnosis and grieving all that stuff, I feel like to wrap our head around it, we do um, some, we constantly, I feel like we put our kiddos in a box and then that box gets shaken up. Yeah. Yes. You know, like yeah. it just, yeah. I think not in a coping way, in a negative way, but I think it's in a, as a parent, we have coping skills because we worry about yes. all the things. All the right. time. All totally. the time. Yeah. So we put them in a box and then it gets shaken up and then it gets shaken totally. up. And I feel like that's where... I'm excited for the time when Sunflower is an adult because I feel like anytime I meet a parent of a child with Down syndrome, um, I see they have like a weight lifted off of them. It almost feels like where um, that box is open. It's not, it doesn't, it's not as closed as we keep the box as new parents of a child with down syndrome if that makes sense like we're in the thick of it we're like 
trying to accomplish goals. We want to see them succeed. And then I feel like your kid, once they're 18 or older, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I, I see that sense of relief because it's just like now here they are as the person they are. Yeah. I wonder if it's a more wisdom than relief, you know, like it's it like a, probably. Cause I, yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but I wonder if the word is more like there's a sense of wisdom of yes. like it, this is the journey we've been on. And then you've learned so much as a parent to an adult with Down syndrome. And right. then you're like, yeah, my kid is who they are. The box is open or the box has been destroyed from all the shaking or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, we, and we're making it and I'm not recreating the box, you know? So Micah, have you met any parents who have um, an older child, either teen or adult with the dual diagnosis? I haven't met any any people in person. Um, there's a woman that I've gotten connected to online who has a book coming out soon. Um, I think the book is going to be called Down Syndrome with a Slice of Autism, something cute, cute like that. Cute. <laughs> um, her name is Teresa Under Un, Unterstall, Unterstall, and her son Nick is 26. And um, they used to live in the Bay Area, and now they're um, somewhere else. But I have been able to talk to her on the phone. She's kind of talked to me a little bit through um, IEPs and um, and that sort of thing for ACE. But I think that it's it's still kind of a small community. I it think is. because autism as a second diagnosis hasn't has really only in the last decade um, been been given out mm-hmm. fairly regularly. Like the it's people with older children are less likely to have that dual diagnosis. Um, and I think there's still kind of a, I, I think the percentage that I've read is like 8% of people with Down syndrome also have autism. Hmm. Um, but I think that that percentage is kind of fluctuating too. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's still, um, it's such a new thing still. And like so, you had said, there are so many characteristics that are the same for autism and Down syndrome. Yeah. And so there is that, that is um, just an interesting piece. I'd love to have her on because I think it would be great to hear more from more about the medical specifics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. That, that's what I was to say. So I feel like let's go there for a minute then talking about how small the community is with the dual yeah. diagnosis and the Down syndrome community. And I have heard this um, many times from people who have a dual diagnosis that within the Down syndrome community, they don't feel a sense of belonging and there's a sense of isolation even. Um, and you know, as someone in the Down syndrome community who just is all about making sure people feel seen and loved, that feels heartbreaking, but it is one of those, you can't know what you don't know. And it is a very different experience. So have you, have you felt that way? Have you felt a sense of isolation within the diagnosis? And then I guess the second piece to that is what do you think how do you think the Down syndrome community at large um, can play a positive role with the smaller the smaller subgroup? I think this is really interesting because, um, first of all, I feel very loved in the Down syndrome community. <laughs> I've I've got my my pals. I got you guys. <laughs> um, I've been very taken care of. Um, but I think there is a sense of like, we love people with Down syndrome. And the reason we love people with Down syndrome is because of the the gifts that they bring to the world, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times when we talk about those gifts, 
we are talking about outward expressions of sweetness, mm-hmm. um, of relational care, mm-hmm. of like social, um, just like social ability and um, being like people with Down syndrome are often just uh, friendly and funny and want to hug and want to be friends and so i think for those of us who get get the autism diagnosis i think there is a fear that um and for me with a child who's still young um like what if the things that made that are supposed to make you wonderful when you have down syndrome what if those things are taken away Hmm. and um and I think there is a, I don't think, I don't, <laughs> I want to say it's it's not sexy to talk about autism. I don't mean it that way. Um, but I think there is like in our community, we love to celebrate the warmth of people with Down syndrome. And so when you are talking about something that could make um, a person with Down syndrome be standoffish, be mm. unengaged, not want to um, be touched, not want to to be around other people with Down syndrome in a dance party. You know, like the things that, it's the things that we think are so cool. Um, and so I think that that is one very surface level kind of hard thing about it. And I, you know, I'm only in it for a few months, so I'm not speaking for the whole community. But I think that uh, because it's a thing that we fall back on mm-hmm. as like, this is what's wonderful. It's hard to feel like that might be taken out from under you. Mm. Um, and, and I think also because it is a little scary, mm-hmm. like there's, there are things, uh, you can, in the down syndrome community, I think I've been able to get my head around, like, this is, you know, this is who I expect my son to be. Mm-hmm. And um, and how do I fit if those are not, if that's not who he is? How, what am I going to do if he's uh, not, like, you know, if, if, if Ace chooses to not want to be going to the, you know, Down Syndrome Society, like, dance party, <laughs> or he's, like, not yeah. a... Um, he's not a big personality or, um, you know, what do I do if he's, if he's nonverbal, I got in the, the car, um, the, I got a lift when I got to DSDN Mm -hmm. in, in September, like two weeks after, um, ACEs diagnosis. And I was in, in a lift with this other woman who I didn't know, but we, soon realized we were both there for the DSDN and as we started talking our kids were the same age and I said oh you know how is your child doing and this woman said oh I'm I am so happy because she finally started talking like I was so worried and you know she was she was not verbal for so long and blah 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 and now she's talking and talking and talking and like so relieved and so ha- happy. Okay, so this is like the whole conversation. Right. And I was like, okay, you know, 
Hmm. I'm still already like super fragile. Um, and thankfully, like she didn't like reciprocate in terms of like, how about your son? Is he talking to her or whatever? Yeah. But I think there is just a general sense. And I don't know how, what to, how to change things like that mm -hmm. because we need to be able to share our stories and we need to be able to share how we feel and what's hard. And it is really hard when your child does not speak until they're four. Mm -hmm. um, it's also hard when your child doesn't speak till they're five. Mm -hmm. And it's hard when you're the one whose child isn't speaking and the one next to you, their child is and woo, they're relieved. Yeah. And, um, and so some of that I think is, is navigating with compassion and gentleness with each other and recognizing that everybody in the Down syndrome community has, it, I, whether they're parenting or whether they're a person with Down syndrome, like they are, they, everybody has their unique battles they're fighting. And some people have Down syndrome and the hardest battle is their gross motor skills. And it is a long journey. Mm -hmm. Some some kids have Down syndrome and they are going to have to fight leukemia and it is mm -hmm. so hard and it's awful. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I've had to kind of set my heart in a place of like, OK, so this is our thing. This is what we are are doing and we're we're going to walk this path and there are going to be moments just like when somebody asks me what I'm excited about for Ace and I say that he is swimming like a champ and there's probably another mom of a five-year-old who dreams of her child being able to swim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it's going to be speech and mm. I've had time to, um, and I'm still working through like, I, and as I've learned with, my anxiety in all of life. Like sometimes I just have to see the picture all the way to the end. And I've had to say, okay, if, if my 25 year old son does not speak, what, what does that yep. mean? You know, and will I survive? Hmm. And yeah, I'll survive. Right. And will he survive? Yeah. Is he going to be loved? Yes. Is he going to have an amazing life? Yes. Is he going to have friends? Absolutely. And so we, we all have dreams and we all have visions for our kids. And we just, we just have to walk like brave into the path that we're going down. And remember that the hardest thing we, we can still face. Mm -hmm. and, and I think as a community, if we can hold that for each other and not just make assumptions about each child's development or... Yeah. each person's um whatever battle they're facing mm. um holding space for each other to all have our battles and yeah. to care for each other in them and also be able to celebrate with each other because everybody deserves like all my friends with kids with down syndrome who are speaking as five-year-olds deserve to be cheered for and celebrated yeah um, and so we just have to do that together mm. Micah, um, I wanted to ask you because I feel like with your vulnerability and your like, you know, your emotion, um, I wanted to ask you like, what are you doing since you're Ace's voice and advocate, um, 
what are you doing to process all this, like practically, emotionally for yourself so that you can, you know, I don't know, you know, keep on, keep it on. (laughs) (laughs) Flourish as a human. Right. Um, I, well, this, this, I, even for all of our listeners out there who are like feeling bad for me for all the crying I'm doing, this is like my happy place. (laughs) I am an Enneagram four (laughs) and I just love feeling it. Emotion. Yes. (laughs) Um, so being (laughs) authentic about what we're walking through is really helpful for me. Um, so this is, this is good. And I've been so thankful to have friends walk with me through it and to just be able to put voice to um, the things that I fear and the things that are good and the things that are hard and um, the decisions that I'm having to make. Um, so that's one thing. I I am on an anti-anxiety medication. Hmm. And I I just say that because I think it's really important yeah. for for other people out there to hear that, that um, I'm not ashamed about it. And I, I have, I went on it a couple of years ago when things felt really hard with ACE and I felt pretty overwhelmed in my life and um, kept being like, when things slow down, when things get a little bit easier, I'm going to, I'm just in a season. That's what I always say. (laughs) Season schmeezing. It's my life. um, (laughs) This is called life. This is called what my life is. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So that is not, things have not slowed down. Um, But I'm also, I, I've gone back um, to seeing a therapist and that has been really helpful too. I have an amazing um, therapist who has worked with a lot of moms of kids with special needs and I really love being able to talk to her and I just happened upon her um but she really has uh it's been so helpful to talk about this stuff and to feel like she understands and has experience um in helping me sort through it because I think that there's I, I think all the especially our mom listeners out there um would understand how much we all just hold as, Mm -hmm. as people raising our kids, um, with different abilities. Like we have this ongoing tally in our heads, just like you were saying, Mercedes of the goals that you need to be right. Like the goals our kids need to be reaching, the tasks we need to be doing the you know, the sensory needs we need to be meeting. And, um, and it can make it can make you nutty. Mm-hmm. It is just a lot, and and it's a real person who you are loving and raising. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think uh, I've been learning a lot more about how to take care of myself. And um, this is all Ace's diagnosis coincided with my concussion, and um, yes. and this has been like a very long process of recovery from my concussion as well. And I've had to take naps and I have to sleep a lot and I have to, um, let my husband take over when I can't do it. And I think all of those things have been really, um, a good process for me Mm -hmm. in learning how to recognize my own weakness and like that I can't do everything and I can't, um, 
like grit my teeth mm-hmm. and like make everything work for Ace the yeah. way that I want it to. Um, and so I'm just in it, you know, I'm just learning and um, trying to be kind and compassionate to myself and to Ace and to our family and um, make decisions as as we kind of move along. Mm-hmm. Do uh, the next right thing. Do the next right thing. I'm, I want to make sure to post a link, but there was a great article I read where um, this mother of a child with Down syndrome, and the title was just so perfect. What if your child's not the star? Yes, mm-hmm. I saw that article. And it was so good. Um, Sunny doesn't have a dual diagnosis, but she's not always the warmest of um, people, I guess. Yeah. She totally is an engager. She likes what she likes. She loves what she loves to do. But she's also her own person. She's six. She's a little bit of a diva. And, you know, she'll say hi to you, but she may not be your best friend right away. You know? And so, and sometimes, like, you know, and speech is also uh, difficult for her. And it's coming along, and I'm super proud of her. But it's difficult for her and and she knows it and so she shuts down a lot and doesn't try and so and it's coming about anyways anywho I have moments where even I'm like ooh, sunflower you know um doesn't fit the mold all the time of a person with down syndrome when you talk Mm -hmm. about like it's not sexy to talk about autism I think because down syndrome has been put in a box where they are lovable humans, so all we want to think of them is happy, lovable, engaging. Yeah. So it's easy to love them because they love back. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I don't know. They're still human, so. Yeah. I have, I have a really good friend who runs a nonprofit, 99 Balloons. We've talked about it before, Matt Mooney. Yes. Um, we were talking last week, um, or I've, I'm working on a project, and I was asking his input, and he mentioned because he works with all disabilities and my conversation with him always is like i i am for all disabilities and i hope the advocacy work i'm doing is for people with disabilities all people with disabilities but it's so fragmented Mm -hmm. and so specific Mm -hmm. that i don't feel confident speaking outside the down syndrome space Mm. um and he was just saying how within from his perspective as an able-bodied person, neurotypical able-bodied person, but working within the disability community, his perspective has been that Down syndrome is, he didn't say this word, but like the gym within the disability community, like the most accepted disability. Mm-hmm. It's favored for it's sure. It's a favored disability. Mm-hmm. And yes. so he was just telling me like, if you can stay in your Down syndrome lane, but I know that what you want for the world is for all humanity, not mm-hmm. just for Down syndrome. So it's just interesting, all that to say, it's interesting, even within the Down syndrome community, I think we recognize that in terms of a disability it's like oh well my kid has down syndrome at least they don't have fill in the blank and i think a lot of us who have we don't say those things out loud often totally but i think we think it and i think as a parent to a child with down syndrome that it's like oh well like at least my kid doesn't have a dual diagnosis i think Mm -hmm. that parents with kids with down syndrome think these things um and i and i think what's so what i find the most impactful from people with disabilities that has rocked my world forever is that people with disabilities have given me a new lens on how to view humanity and worth Mm. that I think humans are, are craving. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I wouldn't know that without knowing disability. Right. And I only know disability one away, mm-hmm. you know? And eventually, I mean, the statistics are at some point in almost everybody's life, we will experience disability personally. You mm-hmm. live long enough, you're going to have some kind of disability right. and understand that firsthand. But going back to what you're saying with, it's like Ace gets this diagnosis, he's still Ace, you know? And I think it, for me, whenever I'm, whenever I'm flailing with thinking about what my kids with Down syndrome are or aren't doing or will they ever like you you're saying when Ace is 25 if he's not speaking at 25 and you got really emotional that's an emotional thing for you but will he still be and I think that for me when I start to spiral I have to go back to okay my child with Down syndrome isn't doing A, B, C, and D but are they are they loved? They're loved. Like, are they contributing yes. to the world? A hundred percent. Are they, you know, like, are they worthy of life? Yes. And I think that anyone with any kind of disability, I mean, are they worthy of life? Yeah. Are they loved? Yeah. Should that be enough? Yeah. And it's that discipline of having to be, for me, to be forced back to that space over and over and over. Yeah. And I think the more layers, like you add autism to it, it's just that magnifying glass on that discipline of saying, it's not what I thought it was going to be, but is it going to, is it okay? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And is everyone around you saying not? Yeah, maybe. But do you know the truth? Yeah, the truth is it's okay. Right. And don't you think that that's like, I mean, we can all look at ourselves and say, how has my child with Down syndrome, how has their life shaped me? Like, I feel, I feel like what you're saying, Heather, about having to constantly come back internally in ourselves and say, is this still okay? Is Mm -hmm. this still good? Is my child still worthy? Like that is kind of this erosion Mm. of the, the river going over the rock over and over and over and carving something beautiful. And it's the daily grind of it. But when we are open and, um, and allowing that work to be done in us, then we're, we're being formed by it and it's really beautiful Mm. it's changing us and the daily grind of it is because it's not what we have been programmed to think of Mm -mm. what should be Mm -hmm. and it's not like so what's that's what's wrong is the the false sense of programming and we're we have been given a narrative in which we are supposed to live out Mm -hmm. and and it's uncontrollable yes And I think that humanity as a whole, I don't know that anyone can argue. I think we can look at the United States, especially right now. Everyone's pretty miserable. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like the gift of people with disabilities in my life Mm -hmm. is to center me on what actually really matters Mm -hmm. and to see every human being is fully worthy and beautiful, even certain presidents. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm not naming names. People are going to be so mad. Um, I did want to say, too, because you mentioned this, Micah. Um, like with the DSAOC, DSAOC, like dances and yeah, I feel like the Down syndrome community are known for our dances. Always yeah. dance party. <laughs> oh, yes. It's the best part. Um, and saying how like maybe Ace won't want to be out there, but maybe he will. Or maybe right. he's going right. to be helping with the lights or helping be a part of setup. I feel like sometimes yeah like we have our thing like oh my goodness i can't wait till my boys go to prom like my boys you know and then what if they don't go to prom what if they don't want to like i feel like for down syndrome we like get sad about what what they won't do and i'm like just as equally my typical kids 
may never <laughs> totally. do these or that idea of like but you, i'm not sad because yeah. i'm like well you have that choice and you're just being a little snot but i feel like they again too are family members with down syndrome and like with that dual diagnosis autism have a choice to make and will have their things they favor and that they don't and yep it's okay i don't know it's like that you know they'll live with you forever and it's like oh honey your neurotypical able-bodied 30 year old is living with you like right how many parents (laughs) i posted something recently about someone saying something about mason and i had all these moms respond like my child is 27 years old they are on my couch in my living room they don't have down syndrome (laughs) will my kid get married will they have kiddos and then i see two like friends who are a couple and they are choosing not to have children Right. You know, like these yeah. things and yeah. then their parents are probably grieving and they probably didn't know they had to grieve because yeah. it wasn't spelled out for them from baby, like from the womb on. But it's not necessarily right. spelled out for us either, but we make up the fact that it is and we grieve yeah. it already. I think that's I feel like that's a little bit of a coping mechanism, but I'm also like, why do we do that? Like, why do we make different um negative judgments to our children with down syndrome in comparison to our typical kids when they could just as equally make that choice even on their own more so you know i just wonder we all do it though yeah so i see where you're coming from and it is protective it is like i need to to save myself from pain yeah yeah okay i have a question um okay now that ace has this diagnosis what are some things you've done like have you done because you've done a lot of research what have you found in terms of changing his diet or other things that you've done because of the autism diagnosis that you weren't doing before yeah um one of the things the biggest when he got his uh assessment and got the actual diagnosis um one of the things that they told me in the report that i had never considered before was that ACE doesn't seem to be uh, influenced by peer role models. Now, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's totally true. Hmm. And I also, I I have some hesitations with that Hmm. um, because I think that they base that on their few hours with him. Um, But that he is mostly influenced by his sensory needs. Hmm. Um, And what I walked away from that with was not that ACE doesn't need peer role models because he does, but that I had not given um, the proper weight in my head to how much his, how big his sensory needs were. Um, And so that has been really helpful for me to, to really look at the role that his sensory needs play in his daily life Mm -hmm. and how to help him. So for instance, he has been grinding his teeth um, very loudly since Mm. he was two. And, um, and as we have added new things into his life and changed his diet, his, his grinding has lessened and lessened and lessened. Wow. Um, So there's, there's several different things you can do, right? When you get this diagnosis, Um, you know, you kind of get thrown up on the same way that you do when you get your down syndrome diagnosis of like you need to call these people and you need to set up this appointment and you need to you know read this thing um and so one of the things that is very big um that has we've talked about here too is aba therapy which is used mostly um for kids with autism and so i did 
some research on ABA. I reached out to several different um, ABA clinics. I don't know if that's the word used, but um, there's long waiting lists for ABA therapy. Wow. And um, it's a there's a lot of hoops to jump through. And I, at least from my end where I've yeah. tried to do it and the people that I've looked for that are local, mm-hmm. um, there's been very few just local private practice ABA therapists. It's all very big organizations. You have to put your name on a wait list. Really? For. I have a question. Your, do your yeah. regional center doesn't do that for you guys? I just want to know. Or is it all insurance-based or is it private for you? It has been, it's insurance-based, okay. at least for for me um, in how I've understood it. Okay. So um, I could be wrong. No, no. I was just Somebody, wondering if it's yeah. just, I feel like too might be regional because for Sunflower, she could have taken through regional center like 15 hours a week. They were like wanting uh, to yeah. sign her up. You know, I've heard people in Southern California say stuff about ABA, and that has never been an option um, in Northern California for us. So, um, so yeah. So when I've talked to people on the phone about, you know, what would ACE qualify for? uh, A lot of what I've heard is like, we recommend you taking them out of school. We recommend 40 hours a week. And, um, and so I know people are probably going to respond to this with like, no, 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 no. ABA can be like all different kinds of things. And I, and I know that it can. Um, but for me in this moment of like, okay, I just got this diagnosis. I'm very sad. I don't know what to do. And now people are telling me that I need to take him out of school for 40 hours a week of therapy. I was like, no, 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 thank you. That's so no, wild. he's got his friends he has school he's learning this is like i i don't need to to throw this into his life right Mm -hmm. now um so the the biggest thing that i did in the fall was reach out to a private uh occupational therapist to talk about his sensory needs and we started having private ot in addition to what he's had at school and um i've shared several times on here about his sleep Mm -hmm. um where before the autism diagnosis, I thought it was sleep apnea was why he was waking up every night. And since then, in our sleep study, he actually um, has very mild sleep apnea, not enough to really affect him. Um, in fact, they were like, this is the best sleep study we've ever seen or something with like a child with Down syndrome. So I was like, yes, victory for that. But he still wakes <laughs> up every night. Yes. Um, oh. So... He, um, what I've learned is that sometimes with autism, a child's circadian rhythm can be off. And, um, so for ACE, he just wakes up every night for a couple of hours. And I have another friend whose son does that as well. And, um, and so it is just learning how to meet his sensory needs because some of that, what's waking him up is his need to be touched, his need to be squeezed, his, Mm. like his need to jump. Yeah. So sometimes Ace will wake up at three in the morning and just be laughing hysterically, jumping on his bed, like having the time of his life. Buddies. And oh, and yeah. we're like, this is not working <laughs> for the Lay rest down. of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not time to play. Every night we're up, Ace, it's not time to play. Um, <laughs> so we have a long, uh, a long list of 
sensory activities that we do with Ace every day to help meet those needs so that he can sleep through the night. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. So I would say that probably he wakes up 60 to 70% um, of the time every night. And there's about a 30 to 40% of times that he sleeps through the night now, um, where before it was 100%. So we're- That's amazing. yeah, we're figuring it out, and it's a lot of like silliness, you know. He after dinner, he runs with Chris to the bedroom, and they do like crazy jumping on the bed and a ton of like silly um, running and squeezes and roll ups in the weighted blanket and all kinds of stuff. But it's all just meeting those sensory needs and figuring out how to help him. Um, so I haven't rolled out ABA, but for right now, that's like. I, I want to have space in our lives for everybody in the family. And I don't want Ace's needs to um, overrule the older boys. And I want us to have time in the afternoons for basketball practice and yeah. homework and yeah. playing together as a family. And so we've talked about that so many times on here about there's so many interventions and you can right. just make yourself crazy with right. the amount of interventions you can do. And you gotta um, you gotta space it out. You gotta see what the needs are at the moment. Um, so meeting Ace's sensory needs has been the the major shift for us. Mm-hmm. And then the other big thing has been changing his diet, mm-hmm. and that has been remarkable for me to see. Um, we we went he went gluten free in December, mm-hmm. and I immediately noticed big changes in his engagement mm-hmm. um, where he started turning his head when we said his name. Um, he started making eye contact a lot more. His teeth grinding started lessening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in January, we took out dairy, which is um, the casein. Casein, is that how you say it? Yeah. The, and, and, and then the past two weeks, two to three weeks, here in February, we have taken out all forms of MSG, which is labeled as about like 30 different things, right. and, um, processed foods. And that has been so far the, the most amazing increase wow. I've seen where he's just, um, verbalizing a lot more than he ever was. Um, and singing a lot, singing a lot. Isn't so that amazing. Yeah. Yeah, need to so make I'll a... start singing a song, and he starts singing with me now. And we've discovered our shared love for Whitney Houston. Yes. And we have some sweet, sweet jam sessions to Whitney these days. All thanks to the lack of MSG. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I was a huge, I'm, I am a huge proponent, or what is it called, cheerleader of all that. But it's so funny, because I'm a huge cheerleader of that for Sunflower. I yeah, don't not for take anybody else. <laughs> my own advice and I don't pass it on to my boys. So I don't know why. That's so crazy. But I, mm-hmm. I was talking to Andy about that. I'm like, okay, you know, it's probably about time that we take something to her holistic doctor. I think she needs iron, all this stuff. And I'm like, I hope you boys are fine because 
I haven't thought once about your needs in that sense. Yeah, you know, like, diet, I'm like doing... dietary <laughs> yes. or like the above and beyond. Yes, kind of thing. the above and beyond. It's so bad. Or even like for myself. It's just funny. Um, There's a place for it. I get it. I know. I put oils on all of them, but oh, oils yeah. for life. I think we could all better ourselves from a good diet not just sunny for goodness sakes oh goodness (laughs) i know i know Um, but it is it is interesting to be like i i'm just gonna try this stuff you know like some there's a lot of uh that on the internet you can find everybody the people who think that whole thing is a gimmick hmm. the people who think who are just totally hardcore um change the diet and for me it's like Hey, is this going to help my kid? Maybe. Let's see. Let's try. And yeah, let's just give it a try. And yeah. if it does, and then great. Right. And if it doesn't, then MSG for life. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um. And even, I mean, even yesterday, he we went on a trip over the weekend and he takes melatonin before sleep because goodness gracious. Because we, sleep. <laughs> we all need to sleep. And we had forgotten his melatonin and we had a different kind of melatonin for for August, because I'm just drugging all my children. Yeah. And um, no, no, she's not. <laughs> yes. I'm not. I'm just kidding, everybody. Um, and so the, I gave him August melatonin and realized, like yesterday, I was like, oh, he's, Ace was a lot quieter, like it was a lot less um, engaged, but we were driving home. And I was like, well, I, I don't know, maybe he's just not in the mood to talk. And realized last night, oh, there was MSG in that melatonin that I gave them. Oh. Um, there's natural flavoring in it. Yes. Whoa. And I love that so, stuff. I've got yeah. goosebumps. I so know. It I'm really, like, changing our diet today. <laughs> no sugar. I just grind <laughs> the grinding teeth alone. I'm really. <laughs> Mason's a tooth grinder and I could not handle it. Um, okay. We have to wrap this up. And I hate that. I feel like we should do a part two. And I want to know... I want to talk to the moms listening who have a dual diagnosis and say that you are not alone and you are loved and you're doing a great job and your kid is magic mm. and we love you. And Micah, what do you want to say? <laughs> I Right now I can't see your face. Heather. I know I'm and standing. So I, She's crying. <laughs> thank so you for the, thank you. Um, I, you know, I, I feel the same thing I just um yeah we're not alone and that was why I wanted to do this episode and um we our kids do not have to fit any kind of measurement Mm -hmm. for their value or worth amen or um or even specialness Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) and um yeah we all are walking this path of having children who are different and that's really hard and um it's also beautiful mm-hmm. and we get to do it together and so i'm just so grateful for the support i love you too we love you micah mm-hmm. you're such a good and mom you are you're really an incredible mama thanks you guys i've learned so and much i learned so much from you and we love all y'all out there too and um yeah, if you're a mama out there with a dual diagnosis, reach out and don't feel alone. We are figuring this out together. Mm-hmm. I love that, Micah. Um, you are the best, Micah. Thank you for sharing yeah, thanks, <laughs> this story thanks, and this personal 
adventure with us and with our listeners. Um, Okay, we're going to be right back after we hear from our sponsor. Philip Clark founded Enable Special Needs Planning thanks to the positive impact of his younger sister, Sarah, who has Down syndrome. He began his career in the planning industry, but quickly realized the industry standard of special needs planning only focused on preparing families for what happens when the parents can no longer care for their child. As a proud older brother, he knew this style of planning wasn't good enough, and that his sister and families like his deserved a plan that focused on allowing for a happy and fulfilling life today and every day in the future. Because of Enable's unique approach to planning, the organization now serves families across the country. Their five-step planning system and online planning portal guide families through a comprehensive planning process. The Enable team has taken the guesswork out of planning and made it easy for families to provide their children with every opportunity to live out their full potential. The true benefit of working with Enable is having a team of experts guiding you every step of the way. The Enable planning process will give you peace of mind knowing you're doing everything possible to plan for a great life with your entire family, including your child with special needs. For our listeners, Enable is offering a 10% discount off their planning services. Just mention the Lucky Few podcast when you reach out to them. Today's episode is sponsored by Jonas Paul Eyewear, stylish kids' glasses with an impact. Mercedes, I know you know about style and your babies are the coolest. You know it. So tell us how cute these glasses are. Okay, listen, it's so hard to find on-trend glasses for kids, and these are the cutest glasses I've seen. Yes, and have you ever used a home try-on kit for glasses? No, but it sounds super fun, and I feel like your kids get to play dress up. We have Jonas Paul glasses, and this past year, Brooksy, my eight-year-old, needed glasses, so we got a home try-on kit from Jonas Paul. Brooksy loves looking good. He actually legit wore a bow tie all on his own for picture day. Having a kid at home was perfect for him. They sent us seven frames and he had a week to walk around in them and make his own opinion. And it was really nice to not have that quick, we have 10 minutes in a store and there's fluorescent lights and we need to decide feeling. When he picked his frame, we put our order in online and we shipped the box of trial glasses back with the free shipping label provided. Super easy. So you have Jonas Paul glasses at your house and you know what? So does Heather. Yeah, that's right. Mason has them. She's worn Jonas Paul glasses for a couple of years now. We all know that getting glasses to fit on our kids with Down syndrome can be difficult. There's a flatter nose bridge that our kids have and lower set ears and that can make getting glasses to fit a challenge. Here's the thing about Jonas Paul. Their nose pads are designed specifically for children's noses. They also have these unique adjustable tips that you can bend for a custom fit so you can make it fit to your child's perfect little face. These glasses are so affordable, half the price of most of the children's glasses out there. Plus, here's the best part, every frame sold prevents childhood blindness in the developing world. It's so great. You know that Jonas Paul now sells glasses for teenagers and our kids are growing up. They're growing up fast and we are going to need those teenager sizes before we know it. For first time customers, Jonas Paul is offering 15% off. Use the promo code THELUCKYFEW at checkout. Visit their website, jonaspauleyewear.com to learn more. 
Hey friends, Micah here. Now I know you know it is no small feat to pull this podcast off every week. And we are always looking for support from sponsors. And we've gotten to a point where we would love to include you, our listeners as well. So we're starting something new around here. It's called Patreon. And we have some tiers where you could choose to join us by supporting us financially in whatever way makes the most sense for you. So from $10 to $100 a month, you could be part of the Lucky Few podcast and make it happen every week along with us. We have some fun perks. We have some fun opportunities coming for those of you who decide you want to jump on this boat. And we can't wait to share more with you. If you are interested at all, go to our website, theluckyfewpodcast.com, click on Patreon, and check out how you can support us. Continue to be narrative shifters and shouters of worth in this Down Syndrome space. Thanks, friends. We always want to hear from you and hear your good news about your loved ones with Down syndrome. So leave us a voicemail at 424-442-9147 and share your good news. And you know, business out, businesses out there, products out there, if you want to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we are here and we are ready to talk to you. So um, reach out to us about partnering. You can email hello at the lucky few podcast.com for sponsorship opportunities. And a huge thank you to our editor and producer, Andy Lara, to our co-producer, Val Schleter, to our sponsor, and to all of you out there who have shared the lucky few podcast with friends and who've listened faithfully and cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, our dear listener, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome or um, with Down syndrome and autism or with whatever different ability you are living with and supporting in your life. We are cheering for you. You are a shouter of worth and a native shifter. And we um, want you to keep on keeping on. So, Thanks for listening, friends. Thanks for um, supporting me. And thanks for listening to my story. And please share your own. We'll see you guys next week on the Wiki Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye, friends. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcast. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.